What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ. It was a couple of years before I got arrested. God had revealed to me in my dreams that uh, one day I will pass through prison experience. And I remember after having that dream, I didn't know when it's going to happen and why it, it should happen. I just, you know, I prayed since I had that dream. My only concern was not to d- deny my faith. I had heard about prisons in Iran and what they do. I had so much fear. I knew that I'm not that strong. I just prayed uh, that God, if you're going to let me to pass through this experience, please give me the strength and power not to deny you. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Helen Todd. And in this episode, I talk with Marzia Amirizadeh, who spent nine months in the most brutal prison of Iran because of her faith in Christ. She was sentenced to death by hanging for refusing to deny her faith. In this interview, Marzia shares how she found Christ in Iran, how she had a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit, and what motivated her to stand firm for Christ in the most severe circumstances. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Limitless Spirit. Hello, Marzia. Thank you for joining me on the Limitless Spirit podcast. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me. You have a very fascinating story, and I can't wait for us to talk about it. I know that it's uh, challenging and painful, but I do believe that Christians need to hear your story because it is also very encouraging and inspiring. So you were born and raised in Iran. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Was it in Tehran? Uh, no, actually, I was born in a small city in um, the south of Iran. And then when I was a teenage, I moved to Tehran with the rest of my family members. So your family was Muslim and, and you were raised as a Muslim, but you felt that something was missing. Can you tell me what, what, what did you experience? Actually, let me tell you that a uh, majority of Iranians, uh, they just born as a Muslim and majority of them do not practice Islam like my family members. We were all were born in as a Muslim because whoever born in Iran, they have to be considered a Muslim in all the documents, whatever you do, you have to mention that you are a Muslim, even though you do not practice. Yes, Iran, as you know, is an Islamic government. And I was born just a few months before the Iranian revolution in 1979. And the revolution happened when they toppled the Shah and a group of radical socialists and Islamists came to power. And it was in Iran about 20 years ago that I, praise God, I found Jesus Christ and I gave my heart to Jesus. 
So I'm going to have to ask how that happened. Did someone share the gospel with you? Actually, yeah. At one point, somebody talked to me about Jesus, but it started, you know, from many years before that, because when I was a child, from my childhood, I always loved God. Uh, and I was searching the truth to find uh, the truth because in uh, Islam, in most of our schools, they taught us about Islamic theology that as a Muslim, we had to pray namaz five times a day and repeat Arabic words, which is not uh, my language. My native language is Farsi. And from my childhood, I always had a lot of questions about the Islamic rules and laws and I remember at my at my classes, I always ask would ask a lot of questions like why I have to talk to my God in Arabic instead of my native language, Farsi, why I have to cover myself in front of a God who created me, why I have to just bend in front of him just a few times a day. If I just talk to him in another times, uh, he would not uh, listen to me or hear me. And my questions would make my theology teachers angry and they just uh, told me that you have to follow the Islamic rules if you wanted to uh, get to know God. And that's why, you know, for a couple of years, I decided to follow the Islamic rules because I was thirsty to find the truth. I was thirsty to get to know God. And I was very curious a child. And then, you know, after when I was a teenage, I practiced for a couple of years, I practiced Islamic rules, I prayed namaz, I read Quran, because I wanted to get to know God, but none of them helped me. It was just, you know, routine practicing Islamic rules that didn't make any change uh, to me. The first time, I actually, it was through a dream that uh, God revealed the true face of Islam and he revealed his love to me in that dream. And I remember in that dream, I was praying to the sky. Suddenly the sky opened and a white horse came down and started talking to me. And the horse, uh, the horse asked me to sit on his back. And then he took me to a city where people coming out of a mosque, they were practicing Islamic rules, ceremonies, which uh, are very famous in Iran. And I could see them that at the beginning, nobody could see me on top of that horse, but suddenly God opened my eyes and I could see the, their true face. Suddenly, they, all of those people who were practicing the Islamic rules turned to savage animals with savage features. And as soon as I saw their true faces, they could see me and immediately they tried to kill me to take me off from that horse. And the horses started running to save me from those people. And I remember as I held its neck, I felt its love pouring into me with a power and purity that I had never experienced in my life. Life. And after we were safe, I woke up. But I just remember when I woke up, I could not describe the love that I experienced in that dream. That love was so amazing. Uh, I just remember that for weeks, almost every night, I was just crying and I wanted to go from this life. I wanted to go to God. I wanted to taste that love one more time. And that's why, you know, after that dream, I decided just to put aside my religious duties, just came to the conclusion that I just need to talk to God in my own language, like, like my father. 
And I didn't accept, you know, the way that they describe God in um, Islam because they they would teach us that God is just like a big king, that he's a very cruel king, that as soon as you do slightest sin, punish you immediately. And they would describe different kinds of tortures and punishments to us that if we committed sin. That's why I felt after experiencing the love of God, I, I knew from the beginning, I knew when I was a child, I always knew that God uh, is love. God is not such a cruel creator, creator. And then, you know, it was after that dream that a couple of years after that, one of my friends who has converted to Christianity, she talked to me for the first time about Jesus. And she explained to me that Jesus is the son of God who came to this world to free us from our sins. And you can imagine that it was very difficult for me to accept such a thing because I was thinking Jesus is just a prophet. They they were taught in at schools that Jesus only uh, is a prophet, and I couldn't believe that he is the Son of God. And that's why again I became you know confused, and I, at the same time I became curious about Christianity and other religions. And I got the Bible, I started reading Bible. But that was very interesting that even the, even before I became a Christian, I always loved cross. And I had a collections of um, cross neck necklace. I, I don't know why I always attracted by seeing a cross and I would wear that without knowing the meaning behind that. But, uh, you know, after doing, again, some research, reading Bible, miracles started happening into my life. It wasn't just that dream. I had other dreams that God started talking to me. And I had experienced uh, healing uh, the first time that I attended a church. And uh, many things happened that I began to believe in Jesus, that Jesus is uh, the truth. But still, I had some doubts about some parts of Bible, some about Holy Spirit. I couldn't understand it, what is being reborn, uh, what is the Holy Spirit. That's why I prayed and I asked God to show me the whole truth. I told him I do, do not want to have any doubts about Jesus. And the day that I can say changed my whole, whole life was the day that I was alone in my room, and I was praying to God, talking to him in my language, Farsi, suddenly I received the flames of Holy Spirit and I began to pray in tongues. And at that time, it was the first time ever in my life that I was so close to God, I could feel his presence. And my tongue was not in my control. I was just keep praying in the languages that I never learned. And while I was praying to him, suddenly I saw Jesus in front of me. For a few seconds, he was standing in right in front of me in white clothes. And beside him, there was a big throne, uh, which was co covering with shining golds and jewels, very beautiful uh, jewels. And for a few seconds, I saw that with my own eyes and I felt that God had removed the curtain before my eyes. And 
for a second, you know, everything became clear to me and I felt that God had branded me. I, I, I could feel the a fire in my forehead. Uh, it was burning and I felt that someone had branded me. And then it was there that, you know, that was a spiritual lovemaking between me and him. It started late at night until early in the morning. And I, I, can say, I, I couldn't control anything. I couldn't stop my mouth. I remember my jaw was in pain, but uh, the power of God was so powerful that I couldn't stop it. And I just kept praying, kept singing for him. And it was early in the morning that my tongue stopped praying. Uh, but what ha- what had happened to me was so incredible and amazing that I couldn't find any explanation for that. No one had cast a spell on me. No one, I didn't believe it. And it just happened. And I believe that day was the foundation of my faith because God, I met Jesus and I received the power of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful story. This this is an incredibly powerful experience. And uh, I just a few days got to share the gospel with someone who is a Muslim. And it was interesting that this stumbling point in our conversation became the Trinity. (laughs) And this person said, well, the difference between you and me is that you believe in three gods and I believe in one. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem with Muslims. (laughs) I realized that Without the power of the Holy Spirit, this person, I have no ability to explain to this person that it is not three gods, it's one, but three persons of one God. And so, but hearing your story just confirmed my thought that without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible, but with him it is. And so... Well, I it is very uh, understandable that with such a powerful conversion, you couldn't keep this faith to yourself. So it just poured out of you. You wanted to share it with others. And so essentially that got you into trouble. So let's talk about this part of your story. Yes. You know, first of all, let me tell you uh, the problem with uh, Trinity. Most Muslims, when you talk to them about Jesus, they always tell that you are worshiping three gods. And as you said, it's not three gods. It's just one God. And as uh, Jesus said in, in the Bible, that it's only our heavenly father that can reveal the truth to them. And our duty is just to talk to people and evangelize them and then praying for them. And God has different ways to reveal the truth to them. Like like me, you know, at the beginning, I had uh, that problem. I couldn't believe that Jesus is the son of God, but it was him that revealed the truth to me. Uh, Yes, you know, uh, experiencing the love of Jesus in my dream and in my life, it wasn't just in my dream. I I had a journey from the beginning of my faith with Jesus. And I have a lot of dreams um, and messages that God gave me. And I shared all of them in my second book, uh, which is going to be published soon. Uh, By the end of this year, I'm going to call the book uh, A Love Journey uh, with God. And um, it's because of all those experiences and experiencing the love of God 
I could not stop talking about him. You know, when you are in love with somebody, you non-stop, you wanted to talk to talk about that person. And imagine when you uh, experience such an amazing love, the love of God, how you can stop talking about him. And for me, it was like that. After that amazing experience with Jesus, I felt I need to talk to everyone, to my friends, to my family members. That's why I kept sharing my faith with different people, even though I knew how much uh, it would be dangerous to, to risk my life, to share this message with some people that they may, you know, report to the government. And then, you know, after... Um, I believe it was after a few years of my conversion, I decided to learn more about Christianity. And since in Iran, it wasn't possible because there is no building church or classes that you can attend and learn about Christianity. That's why I talked to my my pastor in underground churches and shared my, you know, feelings that I wanted to learn more about Christianity. And I decided to travel to Turkey and participate in some Christian uh, ministries classes to learn more about Christianity. And it was in 2005 that I left the country. I went to Turkey and um, with some other students who were chosen uh, from different churches in Iran. We started attending those classes, theology and leadership classes to learn more about Christianity. And after finishing those courses, which were a couple of months, I I became a very uh, close friends with Mariam Rostampur. She's uh, my closest friend. She's my sister. We returned to Iran and we had we both had the same passion about our faith. And she had different experience with Jesus. But we realized that we both had the same passion about talking to people about Christianity, about Jesus, putting the right Bible in people's hand. Because in Iran, you can't find any Bible in any bookstores. There is only one Bible, which called Barnabas Bible. And in that book, it just say, says that Jesus was a prophet. And after Jesus, Muhammad will come, who is the, you know, the perfect prophet, encourage people to believe in him. That's why we wanted to put the right Bible in people's hand. And that's why we started our first mission. And we asked our pastor who was in London to send thousands of New Testaments to Iran. Actually, we prayed and one day I was reading Bible and God started talking to me through the Bible. He showed me that Iran is like a big land, that there is no seed uh, in this land. And first you need to plant some seeds, then I will grow all these seeds by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mariam had a dream and we became sure that we need to distribute Bibles. That's why we, we started our first mission and praise God that ministry could provide some Bibles for us. And they would send, you know, each time thousands of Bibles. And we started our first mission. We bought a huge map. We shared the picture of that map in our book, Captive in Iran. That, Excuse me for interrupting you for just one uh, moment. I'm just curious, how were they able to get the Bibles to you? Actually, it was difficult. And when we uh, shared our vision uh, with them, at the beginning, my pastor was shocked. And he asked me, are you serious? You need thousands of Bibles. They had to print those Bibles. And also they had to find a way to smuggle 
all those New Testaments to Iran. And uh, I remember for a couple of months, we were praying for the protection, for receiving the Bibles and praise God, they could, that ministry, Christian ministry could provide those New Testaments through smugglers to Iran. And every time we would receive a couple of uh, thousands of those New Testaments and we we distributed those those Bibles and then another portion through uh, our connections. And as I mentioned, we bought a map, huge map, and we had a plan. We we thought we need to uh, have a strategy how to distribute the Bibles. And we started from the north of Tehran to the south. And usually at nights, we would carry 114 New Testaments in our backpack and visited one area in Tehran and put them in the mailboxes. And then after finishing Tehran, we traveled to other cities. One of those cities is the holiest cities, a city of Qom, which is very famous in Iran, and no one dared to, you know, talk about Christianity or distribute Bibles there. We went to the most holiest shrine, and we put some Bibles in that place that people would come and pray. And uh, praise God, you know, nothing happened to us. It took about almost three years that we could distribute a 20,000 new testaments in Tehran and a few other cities. But as I mentioned, praise God, nothing happened. And But we saw many miracles that how God was protecting us. There were times that we could, we could uh, you know, get arrested, but God really protected us and he showed us that he's with us in every step. And that's why I always encourage people that we need to be uh, bold, we need to be courageous, because it is not about us. It's all about him. And when we trust him, and when we ask him to use us as a tool, he can do impossible things through each one of us. It doesn't matter how, you know, how many we are. It doesn't matter if we are strong or weak. It's all about him. And we just obeyed and God gave us the victory. And praise God, even when we got arrested, those people didn't know that we were responsible for distributing the Bibles. Because after finishing that mission, we heard from some of our friends that some people, official peoples in the parliament and announced it that a big Christian group organizations uh, has started distributing Bibles in Tehran, but they didn't know it's not a big Christian group. It's just two girls, two backpacks. And it was with our work, our faith that this uh, God gave us the victory. And as I mentioned, even in prison, God protected us because after, you know, so what, what did you get arrested for if they didn't know that uh, you were distributing the Bibles? Yes, we were, beside that, we started two house churches among, you know, young people. And the other one was among widows and prostitutes. And we were so active, you know, during the time that we were distributing Bibles, we would not talk to anybody. We would just go to those areas and put the Bibles in pe- uh, people's mailboxes. But uh, during the day, whenever we went for shopping, eating at restaurants or doing our chores, we always had a few New Testaments in our parents. And we would pray and we would ask God to show us a right person to talk. And we would talk to a lot of people during the day. And, you know, as a result of that, some what they told us, they told us that some of our guards saw you, that you were talking and to people about Christianity and gave them um, a Bible. And we never knew what exactly uh 
happened, but that was something that they told us and that they saw us talking to people about Jesus. And we believe some people had reported about, you know, some of our activities. And then, you know, it was in 2009, March 2009, that we got arrested. So you were put in one of the worst prisons in Iran. Tell me what you experienced. I mean, I know that it was your love for God that compelled you. But as a woman being put in prison that is known for rapes and torture, how did you deal with naturally fear coming in and the emotions Yes, that's that's not easy because we were uh, sent to the most brutal prison in the world, Evin Prison, which is very notorious for torturing, raping, and executing many innocent people. In fact, you know, me, as I mentioned from the beginning of my fate, God started talking to me through my dreams. And I had a lot of dreams that each step, God would tell me uh, what to do and what will sometimes what will happen to me. It was a couple of years before I got arrested, God had revealed to me in my dreams that uh, one day I will pass through prison experience. And I remember after having that dream, I didn't know when it's going to happen and why it, it should happen. I just, you know, I prayed since I had that dream. My only concern was not to d- deny my faith. And I had the fear of, because I, I had heard about prisons in Iran and what they do. I had so much fear. I knew that I'm not that strong. I just prayed uh, that God, if you're going to let me to pass through this experience, please give me the strength and power not to deny you. Because, you know, I, I when you read the story of Peter in the Bible, he was the closest one to Jesus uh, and he loved Jesus, but uh, finally he denied him. And in my prayers, always I would tell that God, I'm not Peter. And if, if such a thing happened, if I deny you, I cannot forgive myself. Please, if you are, you meant me to pass through this experience, give me the strength not to deny you. And as I mentioned, it wasn't like that we didn't have any fear. I remember from the beginning, we both had so much fear because their behavior is so brutal. And physically, I can say that I had so much and I could feel it in my body. But that was very interesting. Uh, the way I was talking to them and answering the questions was so powerful that sometimes I would I would hear my words, the way I was talking to them. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble talking to them like that. Uh, but God reminded me, you know, the, the promise Jesus uh, gave us in Bible that when you got arrested, don't worry about what to say. It is Holy Spirit that give you the power. And I really, really experienced that because as I mentioned, physically, I, I had so much fear. And uh, even though God had told me in my dreams that I would pass through prison experience, we never knew what would happen to us because they threaten us to physical torture. They told us we will beat you until you vomit blood. And their behavior was so brutal. And for the first 14 days, they kept us in a very horrible jail. 
that we could not see the light. We didn't have fresh water to drink. We had to sleep on a cold concrete floor and just cover ourselves with wet blankets that were soaked in urine. And it was during the winter. It was very cold and we had to cover ourselves with those blankets. And their, their behavior was very brutal, as I mentioned. For example, when they wanted to give food to prisoners, they would put it in a very dirty pot and just throw it in front of prisoners without any plates and spoons. And I remember prisoners, there were many addicted people in that small detention. They would go to that pot with their hands and started eating. But uh, we refused to eat for 14 days. I tried to teach those prisoners that you should, you should stand for yourself. You are not animals. You should you shouldn't allow them to treat you like that. And since, you know, they saw that we were refusing to eat for days. And after that, you know, and also they would hear from other prisoners that, you know, we were praying for prisoners and miracles would would happen. And that's why they started changing their behavior uh, with us and giving us, you know, at the end, they give us a few uh, plates uh, for eating. But as I mentioned, you know, we were discriminated all the time. And after that detention, they transferred us to Evan prison that I mentioned earlier. It's very notorious for torturing, raping, and uh, a lot of, you know, horrible things are happening uh, in that prison. Even in that prison, we were discriminated against because of our faith in Jesus. For example, for example, other prisoners were allowed to use uh, the library, attend uh, some of classes, but because of our faith, they forbidden it for us. We were not allowed to use the library to attend classes or participate in any activities simply because of our faith in Jesus, because we were keep, we were keep talking to prisoners about our faith in Jesus. It wasn't us that going to prisoners. Actually, prisoners would come to us and ask questions and God, you know, through us brought light to that dark place and prisoners could see the power of God and miracles through our prayers, through our behaviors. And that changed the whole prison for us. And there were, I remember there were some uh, Muslims, prejudiced Muslims, which who, who believe that, you know, when you convert from Islam to any other religion, you are infidel and dirty. And they called us routinely dirty Christians for months. But, you know, after a couple of months, that God changed that prison for us. And that's why I believe that um, they were only able to imprison our physical bodies in that prison, but they could not imprison our souls, which were free. And we made a revolution inside that prison. Uh, we changed Evan prison, the darkest of place, into our church, which made, you know, all our interrogators and the guards very angry because they couldn't do anything else to us. We were already in prison. And that's why I believe we were more free inside prison rather than outside because we could talk to anybody and nobody could stop us. When we were outside, we, every time we wanted to talk to somebody, we would pray and ask God, to show us a right person to talk. But in prison, a nonstop, we could talk to anybody and that made them very furious. They couldn't do anything else to us. But we saw many injustices in that prison. Have uh, you been physically tortured or abused? Uh, praise God, no. But mentally, yes, they threatened us a lot. Actually, I believe one of the reasons that 
they didn't torture us physically. It was the support from um, the word and Christian uh, ministries. Many Christians started praying for us, sending letter to, letters to prisons, advocating for us. As a result of all those international support, they changed their behaviors. But I, I believe if it wasn't because of that support, they would definitely torture us physically as well. But as I mentioned, we had mental tortures, which we believe sometimes is much more difficult than physical torture. For example, we were witnessed execution of other prisoners. And that was horrible. They sent me to a cell and after a week, they took one of my cellmates and executed her in order just to break me and to show me what will be the cost of our resistance. And later, just before our last court appearance, because they knew that we were standing on our faith, they sentenced us to death by hanging unless we renounce our faith in Jesus. Our interrogators told us, if you just write one sentence renouncing your faith in Jesus, then your death sentence would be revoked. And that you would be set free. But we refused to deny Jesus. We told them that we love Jesus and we never deny him. I remember my conversation with one of my interrogators. I told, I told him that even if you cut each part of my body, you cannot separate Jesus from me. And go ahead and hang me if you can, because I believe my life is in God's hands, not yours. And But they didn't stop, you know torturing us mentally, threatening our lives, the lives of our family members, and the execution, as I mentioned, just before our last court's uh, appearance, they executed our best and closest friend, Shirin Alamhuli. That was a warning to us that if you wanted to stand on your faith, this is your would be your destiny. And she was just a political prisoner. She was a very beautiful girl. She just wanted to speak her own language and have her own rights as a woman. And because of her political activities against the government, they arrested her and brutally tortured her for months and finally hanged her. And the brutality was that they didn't even give Sharon's body back to her family. And no one knows where her grave is located. And that was so brutal uh, and that broke our hearts. And still after years, it's very difficult to forget uh, such a thing. She was charged with anti-government activity and muharabe, which means being an enemy of God. That's ridiculous. And um, it's not just sharing. Uh, they can easily people with muharabe and in order to hang them. Anyone who opposed them, they can easily charge them with, with that and hang them. And those... You know, seeing those injustices was very difficult. And also they sent us to solitary cells in another building for 40 days. They separated us and we were kept in very small cells that we could barely move around in with a light on for 24 hours. And that light was designed to disorient us that we could not say if it was day or night. And every day in that building, in those cells, we could hear the voice and cries of other prisoners who were being tortured. And it was like a mental torture for us because every day we expect them, somebody come and take us for torturing. And all the time they would uh, put pressure on us in all our interrogators and in our course that to deny our faith in Jesus. That was the only reason um, that they kept us for nine, nine months in prison and sentenced us, sentenced us to death by hanging.
I think that the test that you and your friend have gone through is above and beyond than most Christians have experienced. And yet, you know, listening to your story and the fact that you have persevered, you have stood by your faith, even even with being threatened with death by hanging is an incredibly, incredibly encouraging story. Because, you know, as Christians, we're all promised to be persecuted for Christ. This is part of our destiny as his followers. And your story is definitely something that needs to be heard by every Christian to know that God gives us grace and that God gives us patience and even the ability to turn our confinement into the benefit for the gospel, you know, you turned your prison into a church. That is incredible. So what what advice, Marciach, do you have for those who perhaps will experience that or are afraid of experiencing persecution? Because I think most Christians are like you, you know, you want to be sure that you don't betray Jesus. You want to be sure uh, that you remain strong in your faith, but until we're tested, we don't know. So you who have gone through this experience, what advice do you have? You know, I believe Mariam and I were just two ordinary women. There is no difference between us and other people. And that's why I gave all the glory to God, because he is our hero. It was because of him that we could stand on our faith. That's why I'm telling people that do not think that we were different. We were heroes and uh, we were very courageous. No, we we, we, we are like, you know, any other people. And we had our fears and our thoughts. And, but it was just as he, Jesus promised in the Bible, you mentioned that this is persecution is something for that was promised in Bible. But when this happened, I believe, you know, when we trust him and pray to him, he will give us the strength. And that was something that happened to us. And we experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. any time in prison. And I remember, you know, in prison for almost nine months, we didn't have a Bible to read, but God would reminded us those verses in Bible, like one of the verse, the powerful verse uh, that Jesus say that love your enemies and pray for those who persecuted you. That's when we read it, that's very easy to read that. But I experienced that when I was in prison, that without God's power, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not possible because we are all human beings. And I learned those lessons, all those lessons when I was in prison. And also, as I mentioned, another verse that Jesus mentioned that don't don't be afraid because when you got arrested, because I give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was very interesting. For example, they separated us for interrogation. And in one of my interrogation, the interrogator told me that I read Bible. I know everything. It's been years. I'm arresting Christians. I'm on the case of Christians. And I know everything about about Christianity. And he said that you should, you made a wrong decision and I'm going to travel. And after a week, I will come back. And I recommend you to reconsider uh, your path. You made the wrong decision and it's better to deny your faith. And then I told him that, okay, you are telling me that it's been years 
that you are on the case of Christians and you have read the Bible. Have you read the story of Paul? He was the one who persecuting Christians uh, for years. And finally, God opened his eyes. Maybe it is you that God wanted to talk to you. And maybe it's uh, you that you should think why you are on the case of for years, why you are persecuting Christians for years. Maybe God wanted to talk to you instead of me. And that was very interesting that at the same, same time, I was in another cell. My, my interrogations were separated from Mariam. And later when we uh, joined, um, we talked to each other and we realized that at the same time, we said the same thing to that interrogator. And that wasn't coincidence. That was something that the Holy Spirit put those words in our, in our mouth at the same time to talk to that interrogator. And he knew that we were not together to, to arrange that. And that was a message for him. That's why my recommendation is that, you know, it's all about God. When something happened, uh, I know that persecution is not just about going to prison. We all have our struggles. Uh, there are, you know, we have to pass through difficulties, fires, and it's only, it is only our faith in Jesus that can help us to endure the difficulties and persecution and whatever. And we, we should always pray to God and ask him to strengthen us. So your first book is, it documents your journey and your story. And we will post a link to it. It's available on Amazon. I'm sure many of our listeners will want to know more details about your story. But you told me that you're in the process of writing or finishing your second book. So let's talk about it. What inspired you to write your second book? What is it about? Thank you so much for asking. Actually, uh, the first book, as you mentioned, Captive in Iran, it's only the story of our imprisonment. It's about the story that uh, we were in prison for nine months. And also we shared the story of many who face injustices in that prison. But it was just last year that the Holy Spirit put in my heart to write my whole story. And the second book, the name of the second book is going to be A Love Journey with God. And the reason I chose that, because from the, it shows that my journey with God uh, from the beginning of my faith until today. And I felt I need to write all those stories that people see how was my relationship with God. I believe sometimes people just follow this, uh, follow their religious rules without having a personal relationship with God. Having a personal relationship with Jesus is very important to build that relationship. And I experienced that from the beginning and by sharing those stories, I try to describe how it is like, first of all, living in an Islamic country, especially as a woman and being discriminated from very young age as a girl. And also my journey with Jesus that changed. It was a turning point that changed my whole life. And as I mentioned, from the beginning of my faith, God started talking to me through my dreams. And sometimes he would give me a message, a direct message talking to me. God allowed me to pass through many fires, many difficulties. And I called my pains 
the sweet pains because I believe when you pass through the fires, when you pass through difficulties, it is only God who helps you to pass. And no one likes pain because pain makes make people bitter. But those pains to me became sweet because though it was because of those pains that I got closer to God. I get to know him more and more. That's why in that book, I called all my pains sweet pains because those pains were precious to me, that God allowed me to pass through those experiences and tests. That's why I felt I need to share all those stories, my struggles. I passed through poverty. I passed through a lot of difficulties before going to prison. And I and I felt I need to share those stories and my relationship uh, with Jesus. And I wrote a lot of poems, love poems to Jesus. And I, I shared those poems. I tried to translate them to, to English to uh, put them in the book. Hopefully it's will be a blessing to many people to see my personal relationship with Jesus, my love relationship with him from the beginning. And I believe it was him that him himself that built my faith. And because of that love, that strong love between us, I I could be faithful to him. How beautiful. I'm personally very excited about the book. Is it available for pre-order? Not yet, but I'm going to publish it by the end, the end of this year and it will be available on Amazon. As soon as it's uh, published, I will share it on my social media. I'm not going to use any publisher this time. I'm going to self-publish this book. Thank you so much, Marzia, for your wonderful interview. And I look forward to reading your book and also seeing how God is going to continue using it here in America and perhaps all across the world. Praise God. uh, My hope and prayer is that, you know, uh, whenever I share my story to be a blessing for people, and especially I live in America, and I always encourage people to appreciate the freedom that we have here because it's such a blessing from God. And we have a responsibility to protect our freedom. Um, if not, you know, we will lose it and persecution can easily come here in Western countries, in America, everywhere. We have a responsibility as a Christian to, uh, to stand for our faith, freedom and Christian values. Marzia's story is full of hope, and it's a testament to the power of the Holy Spirit. In this episode, we saw the importance of encounters with the Holy Spirit to build our faith so that we may be able to have enough faith to face trials and persecutions. One of my favorite moments in this interview is Marzia's statement that behind her courage was nothing more but the love of Christ. At World Missions Alliance, we believe that changed lives change lives. And through the Holy Spirit, we can transform the lives of others just like Marzia. If you would like to learn more about what we do or feel specifically called to missions, we would love to hear from you. Email me at uh, podcast at rfwma.org, or you can visit our website, rfwma.org, for more information and how to get involved. 
I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Limitless Spirit Podcast. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd. Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org, and find out how to get involved.